Welcome to the Sawscast. We're live, baby. All we talk is money. All we talk is money. All we talk is money. I'm your host, Adam Sawzik, and I'm here to help you build your wealth and save that money. We got quite the show for you today. We'd like to welcome back our little co-host over here. David just got back from Mexico. Thank you. Tell us about this interesting outfit you got going on. Adam, it changed my life. Mexico, yes. beautiful country. Uh, all of this handmade, or so they said. And uh, yes. yeah. Ten bucks. Yeah, that's that exchange rate in Mexico. It'll do it to you every time. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome back, buddy. Thank we you. missed you. Marcelo filled in for you. Mar- I have a f- feeling we'll be seeing a little bit more Marcelo in general. People love them. Uh, but thank you guys for being here. Usually we're doing this live on the scene. Today's a little uh, additional stuff going on here, but we're excited to be back. And look, I say this every week, and I'm going to keep saying this, that we're here to help you build your wealth and 100%. save that money. This is what we do. This is what we do. I started off broke as a joke, living on friends' couches. Ten years later, a millionaire. How the hell did that happen? And a lot of it is based on the principles that we talk about on this Sazcast. So what are we be talking about today, David? I know you're asking. I know the people in the comment section are asking. Here's the deal. I see money stories all day, every day. I get alerts, uh, notifications. I get symbols coming left and right. And what I do and what my team does is we pick the stories that we think are going to help you the most. The show is the stories. Uh, the show is all about you, is what I'm trying to say. It's all about you, guys. I'm looking right at you. Yeah, you. It's all about you. I say personal finance, aka your money. Personal finance is your money. What's more important than your money? Health, wealth, and happiness. That's the big three, baby. And tequila. I learned that in Mexico. Tequila too. Tequila too. <laughs> but first, the health, wealth, and the happiness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. Let's talk about what we're going to be talking about today, and Let's then we'll, maybe we'll, you know, have a little bit of uh, some Mexican je ne sais quoi that you've learned in Mexico. Maybe some... Si, senor. Some sto- oh, thank you, senor. Just for the record, before David gets canceled, <laughs> you are 100% Colombian. Yes. Yeah, I'm okay. 100% Colombian. I'm wearing this because I was on vacation, and it's honestly just a sick getup. I think it does look great. Thank you for standing up. Yeah. This whole thing was 10 bucks? No, okay, all right, all right, exaggerate. It wasn't 10 bucks, but it yeah. was... Uh, it was honestly around maybe fifty dollars the whole thing. Now you got to get up. For you negotiate. Life. So Cinco de Mayo comes around, you're going to be killing it every single year. Every year. And if this gig doesn't work out, you know that you're going to always be hired at doing some mariachi, something, <laughs> something like that. Well, you're exactly. good. Anyway, we're excited for to have you back. We're excited to be here with our people, our valuetainment audience, the people who are just joining us. My name is Adam Sosnick. You could call me Sos, and uh, I'm here again to help you build your wealth and save that money. That's what we do. That's what we do. We and do. drink tequila. Fair enough. Anyway, let's talk about some of the stories we're going to be covering today, and let's jump right in to the Sazcast. So on today's show, here's what we're going to talk about. We talk about millennials all the time. Today we're going to be talking about Gen Z, the difference between millennials and Gen Z and how Ooh. they spend their money. A little bit different right there. Millennials, right? I'm at the and cuff. Then you got Gen Z. Yeah. The cusp, not the cuff. No, that's what I said. It's my uh, accent that <laughs> my I, got, accent. I picked up. All right, so millennials and Gen Z, how they spend their money. We're going to be talking about 10 signs <laughs> Your debt is out of control. Rain it in. Rain it in. We're going to talk about little rapper, little rapper, well, rapper little Baby, <laughs> rapper little Baby, how he got ripped off buying a blingy watch, Rubble. the most expensive avocado toast ever. I know you millennials can't wait to hear that story. The best financial advice ever, according to uh, CNN, so mm. brace for impact on that. We're going to be discussing, is crypto investing? 
or gambling. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. We'll see what happens with that. We're going to talk about athletes, Shaq, NBA legend Shaq, NFL running back Marshawn Lynch, their financial advice to the youth out there and to fellow players. Mike Tyson, the great heavyweight knockout artist Mike Tyson. He's making and smoking some of that green. So we'll be talking about that. And finally, the best investment apps that you can use today. David, you ready to talk money? I'm ready. Let's get into it. Audience, you ready to talk money? I can't hear you. I can't hear you. (laughs) Let's talk money, baby. Let's talk money. All right, let's jump right into what's going on, the difference between millennials and Gen Z. Now, if you don't know about millennials, millennials basically born 1980, 1981 until about the mid-90s. Okay, 95, 96. The generation right after that, that's Gen Z. All right? Otherwise known as the iGen. I with an mm. I dot because they were born with iPhones in their hands, basically. So the iGen, right? Um, they were born mid to late 90s, 96, 97, up until about uh, 2010. So just to give it an age of perspective, millennials are basically the oldest of them are about 40 right now. Uh, they're about hitting 40. And they go into about mid-20s, and then Gen Z, they're in their mid-20s all the way down to, I don't know, uh, elementary, uh, sixth grade, basically, 10, 12 years old. So that's it. The generation after that is Generation Alpha, my nephew, eight years old. Generation Alpha? Alpha, Alpha, because it goes X, Gen X, Gen Y, Millennials, Gen Z, Remix, start all over, now you're at Gen A, Gen Alpha. Gen Alpha. Alpha. So it all starts over again. Gen Alpha, Gen Gen A, not that we're going to spend a lot of time on that, because they're not working yet they're not even in middle school yet um first generation that every single person in that generation was born after the millennium so everyone in the the millennials they were called millennials because they came to age during 2000 they might have been in high school they might have been in middle school but they were coming of age around 2000 that's Um, a one-off yeah gen z they were born some before 2000, some after 2000. Like, you were born in what? 95. 95. All right, so close to 2000. Cusp. Cusp. There it is. Great word. Gen Alpha, <laughs> everyone was born after 2000, and specifically about 2010. Anyway, so what are the key differences yeah. in these two major generations? Um, let's get into them. There's five major differences. This is an article from the list, and we have got five parts of this list. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, so let's pull this up. So number one, this breaks my heart to even say. Oh, it breaks no. my heart. Number one, millennials may be more indulgent, a.k.a. they like to spend that money, a.k.a. Oh. indulge. So millennials likely grew up with, a, with more privilege due to, not, due to having been raised at a time where the economy was chugging right along. They grew up in the 90s. That's where I grew up in the 90s, and the economy was booming. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was out there. People, Bill mm. Clinton's in office. What was better, the peace or the prosperity? Both. The 90s were rocking and rolling, whereas Gen Z, many of them were basically born right Around um, right before the uh, 2001 dot com bust, right, and then right, right before the Great Recession of 2008. So they just basically they got smack dab. They're dealing with bad economies. That's Gen Z. So their parents were like, "Chill, chill. We just went through a couple serious stuff." Yeah. Right. Dot com boom uh, bust and uh, 2008 Great Recession. So save your money. Don't expect <laughs> to be balling. So that's number one. Millennials. Raised in the 90s, expected to have a good time. Uh, they, were, they were raised on Boiler Room, Wolf of Wall Street type of mentality, literally the movie Wall Street, whereas Gen Z 
they had a little rougher go of it. So that's number one. Millennials may be more indulgent, a.k.a. Yeah. They like to spend that money. Yeah. Part of the reason I started the show, I started what millennials were doing. I was like, <laughs> yeah. you guys got it all wrong. No, and, we, and we've seen a lot of that in the, a lot of the Rolling Loud and stuff that we've gone to. Gen yeah. Z is very, like... Shockingly. Shockingly. They, they, maybe they don't look the part. Yeah. Because they're young. Maybe they're 21. They, they don't look the part. But, wow, we got some good answers from yeah. Rolling Loud. A lot good of save that there. money. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that for sure. All right, number two, Gen Z plans to do whatever it takes to get ahead. So this, again, according to, according to the list, one report revealed that Gen Zers, who are basically aged 18 to 20 to 24, in, uh, right around now, they listed money and money-making as their main life goal. Main life wow. goal, make that money. Reports state that 70% of Gen Zers, their number one goal was to make money, whereas only 60% of millennials prioritized Making money, so basically, millennials were are, are more. Dreamers. What's that? Dreamers. What are more? Like? They just want to be happy, man. I yeah. just want to be happy. happy. Gen Z, they just want a Ferrari. <laughs> that's sort of the difference right there. So anyway, that's number two. Millennials, a little more want to be happiness, purpose driven. Gen Z, go ahead and make that money. Number three, Gen Z prefers to save rather than spend. You know that makes me feel good. Like we talk about, we went to Rolling Loud and see what these kids. Yeah. Are, we were shocked at how smart they were. Shocked. Yeah. 18, 21-year-old kids. Yeah. Shocked. Drunk, too, explaining all these things that they drunk wanted as to hell. invest and, and save. They're drunk as hell. What about the one kid that we interviewed on the Fort Lauderdale Beach about... Oh, my God. Really impressive. You would never expect of him in either. Like, Let me tell you something. in his face. I'm not going to be that... I'm 40. I'm not going to be that old guy that's like, these kids these days, yeah. they don't know. I think, I'm really impressed with these young generation. Yeah. Super impressed. Yeah. So and respect to you Gen Zers out there. And it's consistent. It's not even like a one-off, oh, that one time. And it's like every time we talk to aside, Gen Z, it's like Aside this. from some of the face tats that some of these young kids are trending towards, yeah. they're on the ball. They're <laughs> on the ball. They're on the ball. All right? Um, so they, 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 here's a little, they cite a little uh, example right here. They hand a, a hundred bucks to a millennial and they hand another hundred bucks to a Gen Z kid. Oh, boy. The millennial is more likely to blow it all on a nice meal with a friend, whereas a member of Gen Z may be more apt to deposit that money in the bank or throw it into their Coinbase account and invest in crypto. A couple differences right there. So I think with you know the advent and the, um, the relevance of investment apps, which we'll touch on in this show, Gen Zs can just make these money moves make all these sorts of investments, and they're used to these kind of things, whereas millennials didn't have that sort of inherent built in to what they got going on. Yeah. So, again, Gen Z prefers to save, whereas millennials prefer to spend. Now, this is a generalization. Obviously, you know, they said 60% of yeah. millennials are a prior to, prior, prioritize money, whereas 70% of Gen Z, not a crazy difference, but, you know, law of large numbers. Um, number four, Gen Z is wary of student loans. This is something they have learned from their older brothers, sisters, uncles, whatever, that student loans, that shit will get you. Mm. So here's the, here's the example. Why sink yourself into exorbitant amounts of debt when you can learn everything online or learn a specific subject matter at a fraction of the price, right? Yeah. So Gen Z is thinking, why spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on college and student loans when you can learn everything on YouTube for free 99? Great bargain. They're not wrong. Right? So Gen Z is basically, you know, they've got Gary V, uh, you know, shouting at them, don't go to college, just uh, go to garage sales and sell your stuff and hustle and make money. Whereas like millennials, they kind of got Tony Robbins that's like, just be happy, you know, fulfill your purpose in life. It's kind of different, yeah. different mentors. 
right? Obviously, PBD over here is a, a huge advocate of not necessarily going to college and um, becoming an entrepreneur. That's yep. obviously what this channel's about. Bottom line is millennials want a little bit more of a happiness, where Gen Z wants some zeros in the bank account, okay? Last point, and we'll open this up for discussion. Gen Z is, have, is giving advertisers headaches. Let's explain what that means. Unfortunately, for the advertisers of today, Gen Z is anything but loyal in their shopping habits. The generation has been shopping online ever since they were old enough to navigate the touchscreen. We all know that. Shopping online, online means you can browse from site to site in search of the lowest prices, best sales, and free shipping. That's just, you know, obviously that comes with that. So basically, take away with that. These Gen Z kids, they don't have zero brand loyalty. Loyalty. They don't give a shit, okay? <laughs> They're basically saying, all right, I can go to this, I can buy this online for uh, $52, or I can get this for uh, $49. I'm going to do the $49. I don't give a shit what the brand is. Like, I'm going to take the cheaper price. That's just an example. You know, let's say it's a pair of shoes. That's what they would do. So there's zero brand loyalty, apparently, as much with the Gen Z, other than maybe if it's Supreme. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, know. like a big trending thing. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Anyway, so that 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 just to wrap it up in a nutshell, millennials may spend more. Gen Z will do quote unquote whatever it takes to get ahead. Gen Z prefers to save more. Gen Z is wary of student loans. I understand that, and Gen Z is less brand loyal. David, Joking. final thoughts on this topic. Oh, being a millennial, yeah, I mean, I definitely see myself indulging. Like, I do understand, like, this isn't that off. And I, I, I have a lot of, like, my niece and my nephew, Gen Z, I see these things reflected in them as well. They want to see, like, the cheapest thing. And, like, well, and I'm like, huh, why do you care? Why don't, why don't you want the most expensive one? Now, you're 25? I'm 25, correct, So yeah. you're, you're, you could be a, the, here, here, here's the question. Yeah. You could be the youngest millennial right. or the oldest Gen Z. You were born what year? Uh, 95, December 15th, 19... December Dude, 15th, 1995. Here's the question. And to question to our friends at home, let me know below in the comments what you would rather be. What am I? The, <laughs> the youngest millennial or the oldest Gen Z? What Ooh. do you prefer? I uh, Just because of the sound of, you know, Gen Z gets a lot of bad rap. I, I, I'd rather be the oldest millennial. I feel like the youngest millennial. I'm sorry, the youngest. Yeah, excuse me, the yeah, youngest millennial. I feel like millennials get a worse rep. I feel like people don't even know what Gen Z is. I think it's, like, it's not trendy. Yet. No, I think people hear you know millennial, and then they're like, Gen Z, that must be even worse. <laughs> even <laughs> like, younger. Oh, don't even get me started on Gen yeah, Z. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I made a conscious decision a few years ago when I found out that uh, <laughs> basically anything from 1980 to 1981 yeah. is, is the youngest Gen Xer and the oldest millennial, I'm like, I'm going millennial. I want to be younger. <laughs> Go millennial. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And basically, a little, uh, little recap. There's Basically, the 2008 recession um, separated the older millennials from the younger millennials. 2008 recession. Because it was the older millennials that basically were already in the workforce. They already graduated school, whatever. They were already working. They had jobs. They had some skills. Right. They had some hard skills that they learned on the job. Whereas younger millennials, maybe they were in college at that time, high school at that time, the job market crashed for at least two, three years. So they had to basically pay the price of not you know, graduating into a shitty economy, not getting a job. So there's an older generation of millennials and a younger generation of millennials. Just to put in perspective, I like to call myself the oldest millennial alive. That's me. There the it is. The oldest one alive. There it is. The oldest one alive. <laughs> there he is, folks. Look this, at him. Look at this old look at him. Right? Savor the, savor the moment. Anyway. That's my takeaways on Gen Z versus millennials. But unfortunately, 
Let's move on to the next one. Unfortunately, you know what? Regardless of what generation you are, yeah, you know, debt is a way of life here in America. Debt is no friend of ours. I always say that debt is your money going backwards. It's the worst four-letter word on the planet, depending on the debt that you have. You can throw, throw out some four-letter words, Dave. We'll bleep it out. Oh, Just God. kidding. Don't do it. But that's the worst you know, thing to have, especially when you want to succeed in life. Yeah. So basically, here's the debt difference between millennials and Gen Z. Let's see what we got going on. So according to the new State of Credit 2021 report from Experian, one of three major credit reporting bureaus, you got Experian, you got uh, Equifax, and uh, uh, Trans. Is that what it is? Yeah, TransUnion? Yeah, Here's some here's some uh, numbers that they've given us. Okay, mm. so they're basically saying, take a look at these numbers. Get a load of these. So they start with average credit card debt. Average credit card debt, Gen Z, which are basically they, they don't start it until you're age 18, Mr. even though Mr. Perfect Gen Z, 18 to 24, the average credit card debt, 2,300 bucks. Okay, okay. They're in college, they just got out of college, 2,300 bucks. On the other hand, millennials, oh boy, age 25 to 40, me being the oldest millennial, 40. You being the youngest. 40, uh, sorry, that's right. The youngest millennial. I apologize. No, the oldest millennial. You're the oldest. I'm the youngest. You're the, yeah, correct. Millennials, on the other hand, 4,500 bucks. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, 45. <laughs> that's average credit card. Now, put it in perspective, the U.S. average, when you, you know, you know yeah. silent generation, the old school traditionalists, you got the baby boomers, you got Gen Xers. Sure. Uh, average credit card debt, closer to 5,500 bucks. Mm. Average. Okay? okay? So the takeaway is Gen Z. Trends are not on your side. The older you get, the more you run up credit card debt. So yeah. take notice and don't go down that path. If you're averaging 2300 bucks, millennials are 4500 and then as you get into the all across the board, US average closer to 5500, 6 grand almost, save that money. Save don't that put money. it on the credit card. Okay, average mortgage debt, right? Now think about it. Before I get into these numbers, Gen Z, if you're 18 to 24, let's say 18 to 25, you're not exactly buying houses yet. I would suspect, but some people are. Gen Z average mortgage debt 192,000 for Gen Z. 192, whereas millennials average mortgage debt 255,000, okay? About a quarter million dollars, whereas you have the US average 229,000. So millennials are above the US average. Millennials for whatever reason they want to buy houses. We always hear reports saying Millennials are struggling to buy houses. Yeah. But I don't know, after since the pandemic, there's people have been on a buying spree to buy houses. Yeah, I can tell you why right now. Being tell a me millennial. Why. I mean, it's it's that pressure again from your parents that came from that, hey, buy a house. We bought property. Oh. So I mean, I've I'm being told right now, like, hey, when I mean, get buy buy property. Buy yeah. it's like, uh, isn't this thing about to crash? Yeah. <laughs> Give me a second. Good point, David. It's definitely I agree. that. I would like to know from our people in the comments section, are people pressuring you to buy real estate, to buy a house, to buy a mortgage, yeah, like take out more members. debt? Yeah. yeah. Well, let's transition to that. We'll talk about that. Transition. The average non-mortgage debt. So this is all your debt, just not including the house. Gen Z, 12500 Okay? We love debt in America, baby. So even our youngsters are starting off just out of high school, <laughs> just out of college. 12500 Jeez. Um, millennials, 28000 Okay, so you're you're more than double, whereas the U.S. average is closer to twenty five thousand. So basically, millennials are taking on debt. To your point, yeah, I believe that millennials have sort of been indoctrinated to get the house, the car, yep. the student college. loans, the college, yep. all yep. that. They've indoctrinated that lifestyle by their boomer parents. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to go to a good school. You know, you got to get a car. Yeah. You got to. 
You gotta, um, you know, save up for a down payment on a mortgage. You gotta, mm-hmm. you gotta buy a house. You gotta do that. Mm-hmm. Whereas Gen Z, they've kind of seen the the writing on the wall, right? They've yeah. seen it and they're like, I don't know if I need to go to college. I've seen this student yeah, loan like thing you said, play yeah, the Gary out. It's really ugly, right? Yeah. I don't know if I need a car. I can just Uber. Yeah. Right. I don't know if I need to get a mortgage. I can just rent a place with my homies and get yeah. a roommate. Exactly. So Gen Z, I think, for my Gen Z friends out there, learn. You know, if they say if you don't learn from history, you're destined to repeat it. Yeah. Look at millennials drowning in debt, drowning yeah. in debt, mortgage debt, credit card debt, student loans, consumer debt. Gen Z, if you're paying attention, because not everyone does. Most people are most people. We all know that. That's why the average is the average. Gen Z, the smart ones, are going to take a look and say, I don't know. I don't know if I need to go to college. I can make a lot of money online. I don't know if yeah. I need a car. I can Uber. I don't know if I need to buy a house. I'm just going to get a roommate. Times have changed. Let me change with the times. Yeah, exactly. You know, like we talked about a couple episodes ago, uh, these new dogs can't be doing old tricks. And hopefully the Gen Z is recognizing that. Yeah. And, and even, it's I mean, who are the parents of Gen Z? Burned millennials, like older millennials that have been through that. And they're like, Gen oh. Xers or, or millennials, exactly. Yeah, Gen Xers, but also, I mean, they're millennial parents. And then mm-hmm. they're teaching like, hey, dude, I, I, I got into that. Don't, maybe. So, yes. things to consider. Anyway, so that is the difference between millennials and Gen Z when it comes to debt. Now, let's since we're on the topic of debt, debt, you know, as we say... Uh, worst four-letter word. Nobody likes debt. D-E-B-T. That's the worst four-letter word in the world. Now, there's people that are going to be out there like, what do you mean? There's good debt, bro. There's good debt, bro. I get it. If you can get a mortgage rate that's you know, very low or yeah. take a business loan that's very low, I get it. But inherently, debt is bad. Debt yeah. is your money going backwards. Now, obviously, if you can get cheap rates and invest or buy something that appreciates, cool. Good luck. But overall, debt is negative. Okay, let's 100%. just establish that. Yeah. Okay. Now, not you know, there's gonna be people out there that say I agree with you, Saz. That's the worst. Get out of debt. Be debt free. Which I am completely debt free. I owe nobody nothing. It's a great feeling. There's gonna be people on the other side of the coin. A lot of real estate type people are gonna say, well, look, you need to kind of take on some debt if you're gonna buy some property, invest, play the appreciation game, do all that. I get it. There's both sides of the coin. But here are ten signs that your debt is out of control. Yeah, you're a little you're scared right there. I am. I don't know. Do you want to do a little song and dance real quick? Maybe Mexican song? No, no, no. Nothing? Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So if you got debt, here's some things you should be thinking about. Here are 10 signs your debt is out of control. Numero uno. <laughs> well, that was just more for you. Yeah, sorry. Numero uno, you struggle to make the minimum payments. Eesh. Okay, I'm not talking about... That's a huge sign. Yeah, that's a huge <laughs> sign. Not you know, not paying it in full every month. The minimum. You can't pay the minimum? The minimum is usually 25 bucks, Dude, depending yeah. on what you owe. Maybe yeah, exactly. 50 bucks, maybe yeah. it's 100 bucks. If you can't pay the minimum, stop. Yeah. Stop, bro. Yeah. Things are getting out of control. You probably know this by now, but <laughs> stop. If you can't pay the minimum, stop using your credit cards. Number two, your debt grows every month. The whole point of you know paying off the debt is so it goes down and right. down and then and down, but if you pay the minimum, you'll notice that, let's say you owed 5000 on a credit card, you pay the minimum, next month you owe 5200 It's like, what? Yeah. Interest rates, working against you. Yeah. That 24%, no bueno. Okay, this is a vicious cycle. It gets very ugly out there that, uh, it, that is not sustainable long term. Some of this stuff is obvious, but some of the, you know, we just talked about the average credit card in America, 5500 bucks. Right. So maybe it's not so obvious. Right. <laughs> so it's like uh, Marcelo gave the analogy. He's like, if you play golf every week and your score is getting worse, 
Like you shot a 90 and now you, then you're shooting a 95. Yeah. And then the next week you shoot 100. And then you're shooting 110. It's like maybe you need to do things differently. <laughs> yeah. Same thing with your credit card. If you, if you owe 5,000 and the next month you owe 5,200 and then a year from now, now you owe seven grand, it's like you're going the wrong way, bro. Yeah. Okay. And ladies, I don't want to just say bro, but um, anyway, your debt grows every month. Number three, this breaks my heart to say it, you're just not saving any money. Nothing. If all your money is going towards your necessities and your debt payments, focus on paying those debts and clearing up your finances. If you can't save, you're never going to be able to get ahead. You're drowning in debt. It's a vicious cycle. Number four, your credit score is suffering. Important, not the most important, but important. One of the factors that alleviate the negatives of debt is that paying off debt builds up your credit score. Cool. It's better to have a good credit score than a bad credit score. But if your credit score is only going down, 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 you got to make a change. Like Michael Jackson. Make that change. Okay? You reference Michael Jackson I love that. so make, much make on that the show. Make that change. I do. We won't go Man there. in the mirror. The man in the mirror. Make that change. Same song. I'm talking to the man in the mirror. Well, yeah. when it comes to your finances, they say that, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start something new. You know, they say that it's that it's 20% knowledge, 80% behavioral, the, they, the experts. Yeah. I think it's just straight up 50-50. I'm going to start using that from now on. 50% knowledge because knowledge is power, then 50% behavior a lot of times you got to look in the mirror and say dude what are you doing enough can't go out this weekend no more partying no more vacations no more fiesta no more fiesta 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 no more tequila no more fiesta that's it sucks no more mexico no more cancun let me rein it in and save that money so anyway your credit score is suffering the lower your credit score sinks the higher your interest rates will rise it's kind of like lower the credit score Higher the interest. Yeah. It's an adverse effect. All right, number five, debt collectors are calling. This is the freaking oh worst. Oh, my God, bro. bro. That's, that's like Change the, your number. That should be number one. Yes, that's the worst. <laughs> Once the debt collectors start calling, things are getting dangerous for your yeah, finances. that's how you know okay? it's out of control. If your debt is sent to a collection agency, the odds are good that your credit rating will go down and the late fees have been added onto what you owe. All right, that's a side point. Yeah. But the calls. The uh. freaking calls. Lose my number, bro. First date. You're with the girl. She gets a call from a debt collector. What do you do? How much do I like this girl? <laughs> you just you just met her. She's got good banter. She's I'm in. Great body. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. I'm a big fan of banter. Um, yeah, I don't know that. I well, we talked about a couple of episodes ago. Um, oh, yeah, you got to know your partner. Yeah. with your partner before you really you know dive yeah. deep into a relationship or get married. Yeah. Debt is one of them. The last thing you want to do is you know start dating a girl or you know you get married and you find out she's got you know a mortgage she didn't tell you about a yeah. hundred thousand dollars of student loans now ten grand we of credit have goes, a mortgage now you don't we know. have that problem <laughs> this is a you problem this yeah. is not a me problem uh, number six you're living paycheck to paycheck well I think you know two thirds of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck sixty percent of millennials making a hundred grand or more are living paycheck to paycheck mm. and forty percent of just Americans plain old Americans. Making $100,000 or more or living paycheck to paycheck. It's not fun. It's not pretty. This is not what you want from your life. But if you're living paycheck to paycheck, this is a sign that your debt is out of control or you have a spending problem and you don't know how to save that money. Adjust your lifestyle. Um, when every paycheck disappears nearly as fast as it arrives, in one, out door, in one door, out the other, you can feel that you're walking on thin ice, right? Mm. 
any emergency in that situation is likely to throw into throw you into more debt that you can't afford. The last thing you want to do is what we talk about having a cushion, having an emergency fund, saving that money. A rainy day fund is, you know what happens from time to time? Okay. Shit happens. Yeah. Shit happens. Shit happens, bro. That's why you need to have a cushion and understand that shit's going to happen. So anytime you have an emergency, the last thing you want to do is have to put on your credit card. You know, it's a car problem. It's always a car problem in some, some <laughs> capacity. It's always like, you know, everything was going just fine, and then the radiator blew oh, out, yeah. and then, then the engine had a problem, and the... The check engine light went on. It's like the same story. It's like with every episode. I don't think yeah. I, by hundred episodes. I don't know if I'm going to be a billionaire, but I think I just won't have a car. Yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> hundred episodes. Save that money. Uh, number seven, you're hiding your debt. Let me tell you something. Ignoring it won't make it go away. You remember the uh, in the Roadrunner? Yeah. Every time that the coyote and the Roadrunner were doing their thing, and like there was a train coming, and the coyote would just like. Pull down the shade because <laughs> yeah. his house was on the tracks. Yeah. The train's coming, bro. Yeah. The train's coming. No matter what you do with the shades. Um, ignoring your debt won't make it go away. So address it. That's kind of the point of this yeah. entire conversation. You had something to say on that one? No. I mean, the, yeah. what, what's that saying? That the things that are guaranteed in life, death and death taxes? Death and taxes? Yeah. That has nothing to do with what we are just No, saying. nothing but at debt. all, but thank you. <laughs> also, debt. your debt. Well, good plate. Uh, all right, number eight, you're losing sleep over your finances. This is probably the freaking worst. They're all bad. But when you <laughs> can't even sleep, can't sleep because the, the collection agencies are calling, the debt collectors are calling, and it's a taking a toll on your physical health, and you're just like... That's the sign anything's out of control. If you can't sleep, man... Of course. Make that change. Make that change. Thank you, MJ. Um, take care of your health. Health is wealth. Stress is the enemy. Take care of it. Take care of it. Never a good look. That's number eight. Uh, losing sleep over your finances. <laughs> Take some NyQuil. Get out for debt. Get a good night's sleep. A little ambient. Number nine, you have to borrow money to keep up with living costs. Uh, this is something that uh, you have to borrow money just to live your normal life. You have to get into debt just to pay rent. So there's something called forbearance, and there's some options out there to lighten your debt load. So you might want to look into that. Number 10, your credit cards are just straight up maxed out. Maxed out. If you're maxing out your credit cards, number one, you need to relax. Yeah. Stop spending, okay? It's like going to a buffet and just eating and eating and eating and eating. Eventually, you're going to get sick and you're probably going to throw up. It's not going to be a good look for you, all right? Yeah. You're going to be too full and just like feel horrible. So pace yourself. Don't be maxing out your credit cards. Um, here's the deal. Let's wrap this up. Those are the 10 things that uh, 10 signs that your debt is out of control. Here's a little advice to you. So whether you have a little bit of debt, a lot of bit of debt, no matter, here's my little advice for you. Take a piece of paper. Write down these three things. Write down the debt name. Right? Right. Write down the amount. And then write down the interest rate next to it. Okay? The name, the amount, the interest rate. How much you owe and how much you're getting screwed to owe that amount, basically. Okay? Mm -hmm. And then basically you have two options, legitimate options. I'm not talking about debt consolidation or anything like that. It's a whole other topic. You have two options in order to pay off your debt. There's something called the debt snowball, and there's something called the debt avalanche. Debt snowball is where you start with the smallest debt first, bang that out, boom. Let's say you owe uh, five different debts, right? Yeah. Start with the smallest, 500 bucks, boom, you're done. Move on to the next one, 1,000 bucks, boom, you're done. Next thing, 5,000 bucks, boom, you're done. Move on, move on, and then you tackle the big one last. That's the debt snowball. It's kind of like a snowball. like a snowball. Huh. The opposite of that, equally as um, vital, or 
equally as important is something called the debt avalanche. You say, look, I got these five pieces of debt. One of them is 0%. One of them is uh, 6%. One of them is 10%. One of them is 12%. One of them is 25%. The debt avalanche says, start with the 25%er, bro. That is the one that is screwing you the most. Get that out of your life ASAP. From there, you go to the next one. Just go to the 12%. Then you go to the 10%. Then you work your way down to the 0%. Either way, make a plan. Write down the three things that I talked about. The name of the debt, the amount of the debt, the interest rate. Pick a path. Debt snowball, debt avalanche. Choice is yours, but get that shit out of your life. Make sense? Makes sense. Make sense? Makes sense. Okay. Uh, David? Talk to me. Time to move on. Let's move on. Time to sing a song. Da, 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 da. <laughs> All right, now it is time for one of our favorite segments that we do every single week, our wild money moves of the week. David, look, this is our favorite segment. Look forward maybe. to it every week. This is a time where you could sing, drink, dance, get I'm crazy. I'm savage. Ooh. Crazy. Mexican. Ratchet. Ooh, I like that. Hopefully the audience <laughs> appreciated that. Well, speaking of savage, in honor of uh, Megan the Stallion, I almost called her Megan the Savage, her song Savage. This is our wildest money move of the week actually involves another rapper of a different name. And this is rapper Lil Baby, not to be confused with rapper Da Baby. He calls out Celebrity Jeweler for selling him a fake watch for not 100000 oh, no. not 200000 not 300000 I'm talking $400,000 fake watch. Dude, if you're buying anything for more than, <laughs> I don't know, What's 10 Yeah. like you have to make sure that Take it's Take a look real. at this guy. Okay. You just 400 bucks, you just took his word for it? 400,000. Or 400,000 okay. dollars? Yeah, not 400 bucks. All right, so rapper Lil Baby recently took to social media to call out New York City jeweler Raffaello and Co. Raffaello is not getting some good publicity these days. I'm sorry. And why to, did they call I'm him so out? I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but how much of that jewelry is fake and he just doesn't know it? We're about to find <laughs> out. Yeah. So he calls out this Raffaello jeweler, right, for selling him a fake Patek Philippe watch for just under. A half a million bucks, four hundred grand. Oh we just, you know, they. Uh, who always talks about Patek Philippe? I think it's like the Migos or no, Future no. or whatever. It's like I made it. I got a Patek Philippe. There it okay. is. So here's what Lil Baby says, and this guy um, was obviously not happy. Yeah. He says now, Raphael and Co. Y'all know better than to sell me, of all people, a fake or anything that could be associated with fake. As he calls out people in uh, Raphael and Co. in this, in a, in a, bl he's blinged, I guess he's blinged out while he's doing this. Oh, like, kind of like, y'all should know better, like, showing them what he's got. <laughs> well, I don't know yeah, if, got can we see what, okay, there it is. I mean, hello. There he is. Y'all should know better than to sell me, of all people, something fake. Because he's iced out already. Right. He says, I stand on my name the same way y'all should. I agree with him on that. Ain't no such thing as a mistake. When that money's involved. Don't fucking play with me. Because when I'm on that, I'm on that, he added. And when he's on that, I assume he meant, like, he's on one. He's not right, happy exactly. about this. All right. So, uh, in my opinion, there's a lot of people you, you don't want to piss off. Rappers at the top of that list. No telling what they're going to do. Okay? So, Raphael and Co., they had a response. They're saying, having previously sold high-end pieces to artists such as J Balvin... Travis Scott, ASAP Ferg. Basically, they're saying, look, the biggest, we're going to corner the market on the freaking rappers. They'll buy anything for any freaking price. Yeah. And tell them it's exclusive. Tell them it's exclusive. They'll buy it. Yeah, da, da. They took to their Instagram page to explain themselves, admitting that the rapper, that they sold the rapper a fake watch and claiming it was an honest mistake. 
Oh, what? We just had it to sell you a $400,000 fake watch. Our bad. Our bad. What? So look, what would you do in this situation? If you something that you trusted sold you something fake, something this exclusive or this pricey, 400 grand, fake, fake, uh. fake. So you know how they say that your network is your net worth? Yeah. These guys just fucked. Yeah. Their network. Yeah. Okay, absolutely. how do you trust them at this point? Don't. Never. Okay? So when your clients are this, like, high-profile rappers and you know that they like to get icy, can we go back to him? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they're worth millions? You don't want to piss these people off. This is yeah. bad for business. Terrible. The shitstorm that's going to come with it? Not worth it. Nope. Not worth it. Nope. This guy's going to buy jewelry, clearly. <laughs> clearly, it's like, <laughs> this is, like, their thing. Yeah, yeah, Buying yeah. jewelry. Expensive jewelry, okay? And now basically he has, you have sullied your good name, sir, Raffaello. <laughs> You've sullied it. Okay, let's, let's, let's. It's come, it's let's, come. Let's bring it back. Let's bring it back down. Bring it back. Let's, bring advice, it back, bring to, it back. advice to our friends out there. There are three things. They're like the holy trinity of items that pretty much always depreciate. And I'm going to say it fast. Cars, clothes, jewelry. Cars, clothes, jewelry. Cars, clothes, jewelry. Jewelry, cars, clothes. CCJ. Any way you want to do it, okay? So if you want to go broke, spend all your money on cars, clothes, and jewelry. That's just kind of the way it goes, okay? Right. So this guy, hopefully he has a... Can we keep our picture I of him? Like, I feel like he's got a, a car or two as well, depreciating as we speak. Okay. I, I don't know if he's got a uh, Roth IRA. <laughs> I don't know if he's a 401k kind of a guy. I don't know if he has an HSA, a health savings account. I don't know if he's getting that 401k match or his backdoor pension plan Roth IRA. He's spending it on that ice. Yeah. Okay? So for you out there, hopefully you're not going down the path of cars, clothes, jewelry. Sure. You want to buy something nice every once in a while? You want to have a nice car? Sure. Treat yourself. You want to treat yourself and have a nice watch? Sure. You want to get a new outfit for a wedding? Okay. Do it. But if you do this and do this and do this and you don't do it well, LL Cool J style, you're going to end up broke. And then while I'm on the topic, name brand versus knockoff, just while we're on this. Oh. Sometimes you can't tell the difference. You can't. I don't know. You never can. I don't know. You can and you can't. So sometimes is it worth the money is what I'm saying. Exactly. Like for me, I'd rather spend five, ten grand, if I'm going to, on a dope Rolex. Okay. $400,000 on a Patek Philippe, and then you get fucked and it's not even real? Grow up. How embarrassing. Don't follow these rappers. Don't follow these rappers. Anyway, at the end of the day, all that stuff, not worth it. Not worth it. Speaking of not worth it, <laughs> you know how they say the guac is extra? Yeah. Here's our next uh, wild money story of the week. Holy. This is a whole something that's not Jesus. worth it. You know, you go to Chipotle, you want to spend an extra buck or two on the guac, yeah. go for it. This next thing, this avocado thing, I want to take a pass on this one. <laughs> Can we get a picture of this thing? Yeah. So here's the story. Um, this is from the New York Post. What? A $3 million solid gold avocado toast was meant to be a symbol of a generation. Now, much to the chagrin of broke millennials, we know the broke millennials are out there. Uh, there's apparently no ceiling to the rising cost of avocado toast these days. They love their avocado toast. So Tim Bangle, I guess he's a German contemporary artist. Never Tim heard Bagel. of him. Tim Bagel. <laughs> right? Tim Avocado Bagel. Tim Avocado Bagel. Jeez, look at that thing. Bangle. He created this avocado dish well worth its weight in gold. Wow. What's on this thing? It's a solid gold 
pumpkin seeded bagel with arugula, sliced tomato, <laughs> onion, and the main attraction, some freaking avocado there. Okay. That's the main attraction, there not the it gold. Is. Not the gold. <laughs> the sculptural sandwich, as they call it, Jeez. has been appraised at $3 million. That thing right there. Three million bucks yeah. with 12 pounds of 18 karat gold. The artist says, for me, the avocado is one of the symbols of the millennial generation. How black and do you think that And I want to capture the zeitgeist of this yeah. work. Yeah. How black do you think that avocado is under all that gold? <laughs> it's <laughs> gone. nothing worse than, than when the avocado is not ripe. It's but yeah, this dollars. millennials, enjoy your avocado. Enjoy your avocado toast. Now, the symbol of a generation is a $3 million gold bagel avocado sandwich. Avocado toast. Not <laughs> worth the price of admission. So we all know that millennials are obsessed with avocado toast. That's fair, right? Is, I mean, is that fair to say? Yeah. Uh, but I think they're also, for my millennial friends out there, being the oldest millennial, I think it's fair to say uh, we are not going to be spending that money on this $3 million avocado toast there, sculpture. There are people starving, Adam. Starving. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and we're dipping avocado and toast in gold. you can't even eat this. You can't even eat it. Ridiculous. <laughs> but, like, it's crazy that, like, it's, there's so much hunger in the world. Yep. And then over here, we're just, let's take avocado toast. And dip it in gold. <laughs> and sell it for $3 million. $3 million. To symbolize a generation. There you go, millennials. Yeah. Like, Louise. <laughs> our great-grandparents are going to be turning in their grave. They're like, in my yeah. generation, we fought against the Nazis. Yeah. And we, we stormed the beaches of Normandy. Yeah. yeah, well, my generation, we had a lot of avocado toast, bro. Dipped it in gold. Dipped it in gold. Dipped it in gold. Dude, what? I got in trouble for like playing with my food. And they're like, yeah, you don't play with your food. This guy dipped it in gold. Yeah. And now it's like the symbol of a generation. Anyway, like, I'm not shitting on millennials. Pissed. I'm the oldest millennial, but... <laughs> oh, you fucking vey. <laughs> anyway, that's our wildest money story yeah, of the week. Let's move on and let's talk about the best financial advice ever. Now, you know, David, you've been with me. We've interviewed a lot of people on the streets. Yeah. I do a lot of man on the street, saws on the street, talking money. All we talk is money. All we talk is money. And I ask people all the time, what's the best financial advice you've ever received? So you know who jacked my idea? CNN. I'll see you in court, CNN. Right? <laughs> and they asked their readers the best financial advice that you've ever received. And there's seven answers, and we're going to highlight them right now. And you tell me if you agree and what these are. All right, so let's just go down this list. Let's compare them to what the answers you got as well. Okay, we can do that. Let's do it. So number one, don't just pocket your raise. Invest half of it into your 401k every time. So this particular, uh, different readers said this, by the yeah. way, different subscribers to CNN. Invest, ha invest half of every raise you get until you max out your contributions. Contributions are currently about, a, I think a 401k is 19000 a year, and then you can get a match on top of that up to, I don't know, maybe 6% of your salary, whatever it is. You'll be glad you did, and it would be crazy to pass up the free money from your company match. Totally agree. It's free money. It's free money. There ain't nothing better than free money. It's like they always say, if you were walking down the street and saw a $100 bill, you're just going to walk right over it? That's free money. That's your 401k. Another piece of advice, this is what I always tell people. If you're making 50 grand, as an example, you get a raise, and now you're making 70. Don't spend the extra 20. Keep living for the next six months, 12 months, just like you're making that 50. You did right. it then. You'll do it now. Now you got 20 extra grand in your life. You can do whatever you want saving-wise. Build your wealth. Save that money. Build your wealth. That's my advice. So don't just pocket your raise. Invest half of it in your 401k. That's number one. Number two, if you can't pay for it, pay in full for what you're buying, don't charge it. Totally agree with this. 
Credit card should be used as a, as a financial convenience, not a crutch. Never carry a balance on a credit card due to the high interest rate. Of course, we just talked about 10 signs of your debt is out of control. Right. High interest rates, not a good look. So you've heard this a million times. I'm sure you'll hear it again on the uh, this episode. If you can't buy it in full, right then and there, there's no need to charge it. Okay? Because then you're just going to be making payments, going down that rabbit hole, the payment, 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 debt, 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 not a good look. Number three, it's never too late to invest. I agree to a certain extent. So here's the story. A decade ago, 55-year-old Michael Blount made his first real foray into investing. Nearing retirement from a 23-year-old career in the military, we salute you, he decided to invest a small amount of money with a broker. Okay. His bet and his timing has paid off quite well. He said he was fortunate to buy Amazon at 800 bucks a share. And today, wow. I think it's somewhere around uh, like 3600 bucks. I want to say. So things have appreciated nicely. Um, you know, Jeff Bezos says, uh, pick your investments on uh, companies that are going to change the world. Amazon has certainly changed the world. So no yeah, matter your age, same. you'll see where they'll take off. So anyway, it's never too late to invest. But obviously, investing in your 20s and your 30s is a lot better than getting started in your 50s, especially if you want to retire a millionaire. Number four, budget for all your needs, including fun. Fun's a part of your budget. Well, you know, they say there's a 50-30-20 rule. Um, 50% to your needs, 30% to your wants, 20% to your debt and your savings. Respect. So try to stick to a, a budget or a diet in this, in this regard uh, if you're going to use like an eating analogy. Um, so you can eat what you really love uh, and not waste your time and going to blow it. All right. It's the same true of a hyper-strict budget. So basically there's a, there's a food analogy that they use here. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're going to do a diet, a.k.a. a budget for your weight, you know, stick to it. But, you know, if you want some chocolate ice cream once in a while, have some ice cream. Treat Not a big yourself. deal. Budget in some fun. Budget in some ice cream. Not yeah. a big deal. Treat yourself. Exactly. Number five, retirement is easy to solve if you start saving in your 20s. Hello? That's me. Kind of the whole reason we're doing this show for our 20 and 30-somethings out there. Yeah. Retirement is easy if you solve for saving in your 20s. Gary Anderson, not the kicker from back in the day. You wouldn't get that reference. He credits his dad from teaching him the importance of saving for retirement early on. He started nagging me and nagging me, he says. From the moment I got my first job out of college, I wasn't that great with money. We get it. In my early 20s, I can't say that I immediately took his advice, but I did hear it. And as I got a little more comfortable financially in my late 20s, so it took him, you know, a handful of years, I started upping my 401k contributions with every pay raise until it was maxed out. Respect to you, Gary Anderson. We've said it before. We'll say it again. The earlier you start, the better off you'll be. Compound interest is going to kick in. Compound interest, the eighth wonder of the world. Albert Einstein, what a guy. The less stressed you'll be in retirement when it's time to actually retire. Totally. No big deal. Number six. Never spend money behind your spouse's back. Ooh, that can get that's... real ugly, bro. So before you get married, make an agreement with your spouse to be that you will never spend money behind each other's back. Obviously, you know, people say communication and money are like the two things that people fight about. Like, you know, I'm talking enough. You don't communicate. You, you yeah. under-communicate. You over-communicate. You talk too much. You don't talk enough. You don't tell me what's on your mind. That's number one. Yeah. Number two, money issues. Spending. So now you're talking about not communicating about money. Whoa, you're asking for Kiss it. Kiss of death, bro. Yeah, you're asking for Kiss it. Kiss of death. So spending behind your your spouse's back is is 
is defying the marriage contract, they put it. Wow. And will land you in divorce court. All right, maybe we don't need to go that yeah, that's far, but that's not much. a good look. No, but it's true. That's true. All right. Number seven, family is always more important than money. Interesting. Elliot Pepper, a.k.a. Fresh of the Pepper, said that the most important financial wisdom his in-laws ever imparted him was that they would pay for far-flung relatives to travel to family gatherings. Cool. And the most impressive, most impressive was how well they supported their own aging parents. The money my in-laws had was not just for them to be comfortable. Anyway, they're basically saying, look, there's bigger things in life. There's family. La familia. La familia. La familia. Okay. Yeah. No? Yeah, there I mean, yeah, if you're going to put those two against each other, yeah, I would say yeah, family. I mean, depending family, how close but... you are with your family. All right, so just to recap this, number 1, but lo- loving your aunt a lot won't take bring down your debt. So, touche. <laughs> <laughs> like... Immediate family. Immediate family. Family first. Same. Number thing. 1, don't just pocket your raise, invest it into your 401k. Number 2, if you can't pay for it in full, then don't charge it. Okay, number three, it's never too late to invest. Number four, budget for all your needs, including fun. Uh-huh. Number five, retirement is easy to solve if you start saving in your 20s. Oh, yeah. Number six, never spend money behind your spouse's back. And number seven, family is more important than money. Um, that's what these CNN readers has to say. Now, no, no matter how you feel about CNN, this isn't a left thing or a right thing. This is actually some good financial advice. Yeah, I agree. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. Okay. Totally agree. I agree. Um, we're about halfway done, maybe a little, maybe a little over halfway. But every se- every 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 week, we we touch on what's going on in the crypto world. Let's do it. We have in the to. crypto world. We have to. Crypto is such a big thing these days. You don't want to know how big of a thing crypto is these days. How big of a one thing? in ten people are currently investing in crypto. Wow. So CNBC did a survey, and here were the rankings of the most. Um, Utilized financial assets out there. Crypto is in the top five, by the way. Number one, real estate. Number two, stocks. Number three, mutual funds. Number four, bonds. Number five, crypto. Okay? Of all the things that are out there. Now, if you said five, ten years ago, crypto would be in the top five asset classes, no one believe you. Yeah. Crypto's out there, bro. One in ten people are investing in crypto. Are you investing in crypto yet? I don't know. I, don't know. I, got, I got a little uh, investment in crypto. Okay. And you know the top reasons they said why people are investing in crypto? Well, I'll tell you the top five reasons. Here they are. The top reasons cited, it's easy to make trades, it's exciting to invest in, and there's potential for high growth in a short period of time. No shit. So there's a lot of people out there playing the crypto game. The question is, here it is, is cryptocurrency investing or gambling? Is it investing or gambling? What do you think? It's yeah, USA uh, today. shit. Sometimes it feels like it's gambling, man. Uh, <laughs> Elon Musk with a tweet can skyrocket or really plunge the price of a cryptocurrency. So well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about let's that. Let's do it. Let's what unpack it, it. Let's talk about. Let's unpack this. So too many people believe that investing is gambling. Like it's going to the casino, right? Yeah. Well, as it turns out, investing is not gambling, my friends. It is not gambling at all. Is risk involved? Yes. Right. Is reward involved? Yes. That's kind of the you know risk and reward. Investing is a game of chance. Well. That depends on your investing strategy. Let's talk about this. The difference between investing and gambling is strategy. Yeah. Strategy. It's the strategy and the planning behind the asset which decides whether or not you're actually investing or gambling. Let's unpack that a little bit. So an investor will use tools such as diversification to mitigate risks 
and decrease the chance for loss, whereas a gambler is typically all in, bro, with a singular lever lever dictating whether they win or lose. Okay? They're full tilt, as they like to say. Yeah. So even if you hold different types of cryptocurrency, only investing in one asset class or a single asset class, such as crypto, means you aren't mitigating risk through asset allocation and diversification. Quick example. Let's say you got a, you know, $100,000. Let's just let's just use an example. Sure. 100 grand. You say, "You know what? I'm going to put $50,000 into the stock market, mutual funds, ETFs, cool. I'm going to take $25,000 and I'm going to put that as a down payment on a property." Okay. okay. Now you got 25,000 left. All right, so okay, cool. Let me put $10,000 into crypto. Let me keep uh, $10,000 in cash. And 5000 I could literally go gamble. Hmm. Like, literally go gamble. Yeah. Sports betting. I'm willing to lose all of it. Who knows? But that's asset allocation diversification. So you've got some stocks, bonds, mutual funds in, the, in, in, in your stock market exposure. Right. You've got some real estate exposure. Maybe you don't want to buy a property. You put it into a REIT. Cool. REIT, real estate investment trust. You got some money in crypto. Cool. You got cash. Pay the bills. Emergency fund. Then you take a small percentage of it, maybe 5%. You say, fuck it, I'm going to go gamble. Bet on the Jets this weekend, bro. Yes. We'll see. They got crushed this, this yeah, past week. Um, but there's a game plan. You're not just 100% in on crypto. Okay? So here's the difference between inv- investors and gamblers. The difference between investors and, ga- and gamblers. Investors have very specific goals around the rate of return, the time horizon, and the risk tolerance itself. Rate of return time horizon, and risk tolerance itself. Gamblers, their primary goal revolves around just winning the bet without any additional structural elements or constraint. That's it. So the bottom line is this. Investors got a plan. They got a strategy. As George W. Bush used to like to say, I got strategery. (laughs) I got some strategery, okay? But they got a plan. They got some strategy. They're an investor. Gambler is like, Come on, black. <laughs> yeah. Right? Come on, Dogecoin. Yeah. There's no strategy to it. You're right. just kind of, it's like a, a hope and a prayer. Anyways, investors, they got rate of return, time horizon, risk tolerance. These are all things that they're looking into. Gamblers are just throwing money and it looking at the other way. So you need to ask yourself, are you investing or are you gambling? All right. So you know who's not investing in crypto or certainly gambling in crypto? Oh, boy, who? The big diesel. Oh. Shaq. Shaq says, uh-uh, and he, for me. He's in everything. <laughs> and he's in everything, okay? So since retiring from the NBA in 2011, Shaq has amassed a net worth of $400 million. He's doing all right, okay? He's all in on five guys. He's got uh, Auntie Annie's. He's got 24-hour fitness gyms. He's doing his thing, Yeah. okay? But one thing he's not invested in, crypto. He's steering clear <laughs> of the crypto world. And the, 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 the simple why? answer is... He doesn't understand it, he says. That's says, fair. I don't understand it, so I'll probably stay away from it until I get a full understanding of what it is. Now, Shaq's not a dummy. Shaq's a pretty smart guy. If he He's actually got took people the time, to explain it to him. Exactly. He actually took the time to, um, to learn it. Uh, <laughs> I think he would learn it. You good? You need a, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I think he would get you know, he, Shaq does a thing every year called the Shaq Tank, where oh, investors right, come yeah. in and pitch him. They got like 15 minutes to come in and, and pitch him ideas. All he needs is someone to basically come in and uh, pitch him on some crypto idea. I think he'll <laughs> learn. 
So, but but basically, he's saying, look, I'm not into crypto, but I'm not going to hate on you if you're doing it, right? Yeah. So, like, Tom Brady's doing something with crypto. I Steph know. Curry's doing stuff with crypto. We got a, a running back from the Giants. A Saquon Barkley's doing it. Now, every athlete's doing something with the NFTs. Ronaldo, Messi, yeah. right? Pele did something with the NFTs. Everyone's doing it. But, but Shaq says, I ain't fucking with this crypto stuff. He's saying he's basically weary. Here's his thing. He's weary of overnight success. And the stories that... Um, that surround all these cryptocurrencies overnight success, which there's a lot of them, right? So he says, quote unquote, every time somebody tells me one of those great stories, I like it. But from my experience, it may be too good to be true. So, you know, my takeaway is this. Look, if everyone around you is doing well with crypto and nobody's telling you, yeah, bro, I lost all my money in crypto. Yeah. Then there's, it's weary. there's probably something you should be weary about. They're not telling you the whole truth. So if you're only hearing success stories about crypto, you maybe need to do a little research. I'm sure people are out there. There's 100 million different stories both ways. But crypto is obviously the hot thing these days. Um, but Shaq says, I don't care. I'm not jumping on the trend. I'm out on that. Quick thoughts on Shaq? Uh, Shaq's in everything. And if Shaq is, in, is brave enough to say, I just don't <laughs> get it. I think you are Shaq, too. Don't buddy. get it. Don't okay. invest in crypto if you don't yeah, get it. Let's get a picture say. of Shaq. I had, a... I, had the, I had the picture of Shaq up okay, there. Okay, good. It's a good-looking guy. Don't you know? Show these good-looking faces. Speaking of <laughs> oh, good-looking, okay. yeah, yeah, there you go. Let's pull up this next story. Here's the, there's a guy called Marshawn Lynch. You familiar with this guy? Yes, David? I am. Big time running back. One of the Funny greatest runs too. of all time was him against the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, he was trucking it. people left and right, and then uh, they he trucked his way into the Super Bowl. And uh, they won a Super Bowl, um, I don't know, has it been, I don't know, maybe eight years ago at this point? I don't know how long it's been. But, but the guy's a beast. Yeah. Quote, unquote, beast mode. Character and a half. Yeah, character yeah, yeah. and a half. Beast mode. Activating yeah, yeah. beast mode. So Marshawn Lynch, he's one of these guys that likes to save his money. Good Respect. Man. So there's some rookies in the NFL where he, he basically says, look, let me teach you. Let me teach you the ways of beast mode. So one guy that he teaches is a rookie running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers called Najee Harris. So anyway, some of these stuffs is proves that he's still the goat of quotes. See if we can get Marshawn Lynch on the uh Salzcast. I like that. Make note. So it's no secret the five time Pro Bowler wasn't all that talkative during his playing days in the NFL. This is an outsider story. He was known for his flat out ignoring the media um, and refusing to answer their questions. But when it comes to giving genuine advice to rookies, financial advice specifically coming to the league, Marshawn Lynch doesn't have a problem doing that. Check this out. He basically pulls Najee Harris aside, running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he says, uh, here's some advice on how to handle yourself off the field, buddy. How to handle the business off the field. Mm. We know what you need to do on the field. Run, run, score touchdowns, do your thing. But here's the deal off the field. And then uh, Najee says, you know what he always tells me? Tell me if you've heard this before. If you can't buy it twice... Then don't buy it at all. Hey, he's been watching the sauce cast. Oh, yeah. If you can't buy it twice, don't buy it at all. He always tells me how important it is to save your money and don't lose focus (laughs) on the most important thing, and that's what you do on the field because that's what brings you a lot of the marketing deals. So never lose focus of where the real money is is where it's coming from and what you do on the field. So I'm just happy. Like I think a crazy amount of NFL players go broke uh, five years into retirement. You, like you, you did a 60% video. 60% of NFL players go broke. You did a video on yeah, this, did I've you? done a video on this. It's some stupid number. Like Whatever number you think it is, it's more. They like just go broke after retirement. If there's one sport I wouldn't want to play, it's the NFL. <laughs> okay? Go broke. They don't have guaranteed contracts. <laughs> yeah. They don't have guaranteed. MLB, baseball, 
NBA, yeah. hockey, love to play these sports. Soccer, your favorite thing? Yeah, you're, you're a Chelsea yeah. guy? I'm a huge Chelsea guy. These guys get paid galore in their contracts. They, they're getting that money. Six NFL? Years. Yeah. Oh, thanks for your services. Oh, you busted your knee. Have a nice life. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, that's thanks. Oh, oh, your hip, hip surgery? Good luck out there. So that's yeah. why these guys want to get guaranteed money up front in their contract because at any point, these NFL contracts could run out. Anyway, Marshawn Lynch knows the game. Knows, uh, I don't even know if he's playing right now. I don't even know if he's in the league currently. A lot of times, like I think a season ago, he was not even playing and they called him in last minute. But you know what team There's Marshawn Lynch can play on any day of the week? What's that? The Save That Money team. Hey! Oh, he can play. He can play ball. Save that money. So if you, if you can't buy it twice, then don't buy it at all. Can't buy it twice. Ooh, we got a, sound effects. Thank you. Simple rule like that for someone like Najee, um, Najee Harris. That could be the difference between going into debt being broke or actually success off the field. Yeah. Um, that's advice from Marshawn Lynch. You ready to talk green? Dude, all day. Are you ready to maybe smoke some green? I can't say. I'm on the clock. Yeah, but, on the uh, clock. Uh, anyway, you know who's ready to smoke some green? Mike Tyson. Oh. Cannabis is giving this, this dude some high returns. You know how much money this guy apparently makes a month from <laughs> cannabis? What's that? A million bucks a month. Million bucks a month. Mike Tyson, cannabis. Can you believe this? Million bucks a month. Yeah, Iron Mike. It's kind of ridiculous. Iron Mike. Iron Mike. You might need a new nickname. Yeah, Hi Mike. Hi Mike. Mike. <laughs> right. This is better. I can come up with something better. Give me a second. Yeah, he's not low, Mike. That's <laughs> yeah. for sure. So Iron Mike is all in on cannabis and it's raking in cash. Mike Tyson's latest transformation as a legal drug dealer Jeez. could set him up for life. The former heavyweight champ has been selling cannabis products since 2016 through his Tyson holistic label that is as potent as one of his uppercuts. Let me tell you something. If if oh the God. weed is as potent as one of his uppercuts, I don't want that weed. Yeah, I think I'm good. I'm good. good the last Mike. thing I needed was just to get knocked, knocked out. You just got knocked the fuck out. Thanks, Mike. All right, go easy on, the, uh, on, on that Tyson holistic. Anyway, so Tyson's, I think he's like uh, early 53, I believe. He earns, again, a million bucks a month through his business. Yeah. Offering uh, marijuana, premium strains, edibles, extracts, whatever comes with that, and that's just the tip of the iceberg, David. That's just that's just the tip. Yeesh. Pause. So Tyson also invested <laughs> his dough in Chill, a company that makes CBD alkaline water. He believes that CBD can help fight opiate addiction as well as provide relief from pain <laughs> and arthritis. I actually agree with that. Opioid, yeah. opioid. Not that we need to go down this path. The opioid pandemic in this, in this country is real. Yeah, 100%. and you know if athletes or non-athletes even can use CBD or even cannabis, way better than pills. Popping pills ain't the answer. So I actually respect Mike on this. I actually respect that he's doing something on this and he's making some serious loot. Um, yeah, he is. He is breaking one rule though. What's that? You know how they Biggie said, "Oh, never, never get, get high, high on, on your, your own, own supply." supply. Now I, I had to reread this number and then reread it again. He confessed to smoking $82,000 of his own supply every month. Every month? Every month. Dude, what? Okay, oh, never man. get high on your own supply. But who's going to tell Mike Tyson what to do? Yeah, exactly. You know, PBD Pop. interviewed um, <laughs> yeah, Mike, Mike Tyson, Tyson recently. I met him. I had the opportunity to spend some time backstage with him. Guy reeked of weed. Did he really? Straight up. That's 82000 worth of weed. Yes. Uh, Weed, he showed yeah. up. He had this driver, cool guy, young guy, strapped. High. Tyson showed up. <laughs> I don't know if he was high. The driver, Tyson was high as shit. 
Was Pat interviewed him. He's, I, I go, hey, Mike, um, let's take a picture, bro. He's, yeah, sure. Yeah, he put out his hand I, like this. Yeah. Sh- shake my hand. You know, people yeah, shake yeah, hand yeah. the picture. I go, hey, Mike, uh, why don't we take a picture, you know, like this? Yeah, you know, yeah, he goes, yeah. come on, man. Peace, man. I, I ain't trying to fight you. <laughs> I ain't trying perfect. to fight you, bro. I'm like, you know what, Mike? I respect that. I respect you. I respect that, bro. So anyway, never get high in your own supply, but Mike will do what he wants to do, but he did smell of weed. But if he's making a million bucks of weed, smell however you want, Mike. Yeah. However you want. Yeah. Um, on top of that, he is building a weed-themed holiday resort, <laughs> theme park type of thing, with a Tyson University on site <laughs> that will aim to teach people about Dude. the cannabis cultivation that is going on in Mike Tyson's world. Dude, is there? I, I, I want to just. Can you imagine anyone that's been convicted of possession of marijuana? Yeah. And then they're watching this right now. Like Mike Tyson makes a million dollars, and he gets high eighty-two thousand dollars, and he's got a weed fucking like conservatory. Yeah. Here's something. Here, here's be? something. Hopefully, this message gets to Mike. Mike, you're making all this money. You've been in jail. You've been convicted of stuff. You made a name for yourself. I think the next step with Mike, right? Uh, make your money on cannabis. Awesome. Great. Use your voice. There's a lot of people in jail because of what you're getting rich on right now. Yeah. Use your voice. Get these people out of jail. I'm not saying you got to get political. I'm not saying you need to be Republican, Democrat, whatever. I think we all agree that people sitting in jail rotting for years because of the drug... Uh, uh, crackdown yeah, the war on in the drugs. 90s. The war on drugs, thank you, uh, has landed people selling pot decades in jail. I yeah. think Mike Tyson can use his voice for the good of society, for the good of these people, and make money while you're at it. Yeah, And see, the, the other side of that coin is like, well, yeah, it's legal now when people are making millions, but I mean, they also broke that law, that rule. At that time. At that time. So it's like, dude, I, I'm sorry. We told Retroactive. You. Yeah, exactly. Retroactive. Anyway, that's my advice to Mike. Not that he needs my advice. I would love to see him do something like that. Could you imagine Mike Tyson being an advocate for criminal reform? That's being the- an advocate for cannabis criminal reform? I think that's got legs. And who Good says no? Mike. And like you said, who says, who says no, no to, to Mike, Mike Tyson? Tyson? Listen, uh, Mr. <laughs> Supreme Court Justice, uh, I'm going to knock you the fuck out. If, uh, uh, and parole officers, I'm just going to have you let it be known. Uh, that my dude over here, he's gonna get out of jail. He's gonna walk away scot free, <laughs> and um, then we are gonna get high, smoke a joint. Dude, I Thank think that's you. a great. I want him to be uh, smoking a joint, not in the joint. <laughs> can we can we make that happen? Signed, Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. <laughs> P.S. I'll bite your fucking face off. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think Mike Tyson would be great. Yeah. Um. So, Mike Tyson making a killing on cannabis. Respect to you, Mike. And you know who's taking notice? Who's that? Not a few people. Not a lot of people. All of Wall Street is taking notice. Oh, Wall boy. Street is basically saying, sign us up. Now let's talk about how Wall Street is taking advantage of the cannabis market, right? Yeah. So this is a Business Insider article. I know you think you got this. We could show a little pot symbol over there. So Wall Street is making a killing on cannabis. Where there's money, Wall Street's going to go. They're going to go towards uh, the money, you know? Yeah, the, of course. Like the salmon of Cabas, uh, the salmon of the the river of the salmon of the Cabestrano, whatever that saying is, Wall Street's gonna flock to the money. So since Colorado legalized cannabis in 2012, cannabis companies have been going public, buying up competitors, and raising millions in a bid to dominate the booming 
industry. All right, analysts expect the industry to skyrocket to $100 billion in the U.S. alone by 2030, and cannabis companies are jockeying for market share. Like I said, if there's money out there, they're going for it. Swimming 100%. like the salmon of Capistrano. I'm butchering this thing right now, but there's a <laughs> reference there. Um, but basically, look, Wall Street's they're going after the money. Here's some numbers for you. Meanwhile, investment bankers on Wall Street are competing to land these deals that we talked about since 2017, the last four years. Investment banks have pulled, pulled in over $577 million in fees from cannabis and cannabis-related deals. Just to negotiate the deals, they don't, made over a half a billion dollars. There's wow. money. There's money in the cannabis. There's green in the greens. Yeah. All right, so here's number one company, Canaccord. Genuity, Canaccord Genuity, a mid-sized investment bank in Canada, leads the pack, having made $170 million on these deals. And Goldman Sachs is a distant second. The bank pulled in close to $65 million. Listen, when Goldman Sachs gets involved, that's a legit player in the financial industry. Okay? Yeah, legit. Pat know. talks about them all the time. He deals with them, um, some of his financial stuff. Goldman Sachs pulled in $65 million just in fees. That's how much money they've made. That's not... The you know, macroeconomic perspective of, uh, of cannabis, okay? So the weed market is booming. And look, why would you want to get involved in the cannabis market? Obviously, to make money, to make money, to make money. But there's something called uncorrelated assets. What's that? Uncorrelated assets. No matter what the stock market does, no matter oh, what the real estate yeah. market does, people are going to smoke weed, bro. People are going to smoke weed, people bro. People are going to smoke weed. The so harder get, the times, the more the weed. Yeah, just like alcohol. <laughs> Yeah. Good times, people got alcohol. Hard times, people yeah, want alcohol. Yeah. Good times, people want to smoke weed. Hard times, people want to smoke weed. Anyway, uncorrelated asset, weed market is booming. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. All right, let's get into our final story. We'll wrap it up, but then we'll have some Q&A. And then me and you are going to go get a cerveza, cerveza mexicano. Let's do it. Um, here is an article from Go Banking Rates. These are, in their opinion, the five best investment apps currently out there 2021 so obviously there's investment apps galore we can go down a whole laundry list of what's out there but according to go banking rates these are the five best investment apps right now right now okay so the explosion of investment apps has opened the stock market to investors of all capabilities here's a look at the top five in their opinion so the best for beginners number one the best for beginners they got Robinhood on I that knew list. it. I Robin knew Hood. it. You want to begin? You go to Robinhood. This is according to them. Whereas online brokerage houses have had a long have long been driving down commission rates from the hundreds of dollars even charged by full service brokers, Robinhood's was the first to make commission free trading possible. Basically, yeah. what I'm just saying is, trading commissions used to be out of control. It used to be hundreds of dollars, and they brought it down to twenty five dollars a trade. Then it was five dollars a trade. Yeah, Robinhood but- said zero. Okay, yeah. Zero, free. Zero free to trade. money, but then you know what they're doing? Yeah, okay, you know what we're making money off of? Your data. Your data. We're just selling your it. Your data and your data. Yeah, your data, your doing. data. There's no such thing as a free lunch. You know how they say that? Yeah, exactly. So how's Robinhood making their money? Selling your data. On the data. Yeah. Also, the whole GameStop thing. Yeah. Once people started making money, they're like, uh, the app crashed. Well, they get a lot of their funding from some of these uh, exactly. So funds, it's like hedge funds, funding hedge funds. So so I don't know. Anyway, I think Robinhood long term they're gonna they're gonna be a player. You know, short term with everything yeah. that happened with that, they definitely had a black eye. It's kind of like selling some um, fake watch or whatever. 
Ooh, great callback. So now, uh, anyway, Robinhood, you can buy stocks, ETFs, options, and crypto for no commissions. That's the big selling point. No commissions. There's no account minimums on Robinhood either. All right, cool. So if you want to get beginning, beginner, you want to get started, look into Robinhood. Number two, these are your top five investment apps according to Go Banking Rates. Number two, the best for research tools is Weeble. Yes. You ever mm-hmm. heard of Weeble? Yeah, absolutely. Right. They're always like, get two, get a free stock from Weeble. Any any like financial guy, get a free yeah. stock from Weeble. Maybe we'll look into that. Right. Weeble. Right. Weeble is a contender among the best investment apps because it has no account minimums or commissions, just like Robinhood. Right. Um, the app provides real-time quotes, a full financial calendar, analyst ratings, and in-depth charts. Basically, what they're saying is, nerds, you found your place yeah. here on Weeble. Currently, Weeble will give you free stock value between three or three hundred bucks for simply opening an account. Not bad. Or you can get another free stock valued at eight to two thousand dollars. Eight bucks to two thousand dollars once you deposit any amount into your account. Basically, Weeble says, "Give me your money, I'll give you free stock." Yeah, we got the stocks. Yeah, we got the the research tools. That's number two, Weeble. Number three, the best for additional financial services. We'll expound upon that. Is a company called Betterment. I've heard Betterment. Of Betterment Strength is an investment app that comes with its from its variety of features. Ooh la la. Mm. Betterment was created as a robo advisor, so it doesn't allow you to trade stocks. So you're basically they're saying, well, manage your money. Yeah. Long term investing. Actually, truth be told, I have a Betterment account. I put a, a couple thousand. It's not my main account by any stretch of the matter. I put a couple thousand bucks, I think, in uh, in an index fund five years ago. It's certainly appreciated, but you know. Uh, not a ton of money in it because I only put a couple thousand bucks. Sure. Maybe it's like five grand at this point. Um, basically, what happens on Betterment is after you enter your information and uh, with your investment experience, how long you've been investing, what you want to accomplish, your objectives, your risk tolerance, you know, they're going to basically decide upon a portfolio that you could use, right? And so they're going to use ETFs um, that adver- diversifies your account across various asset classes. It's easy. It's easy to do. Yeah. Betterment, check it out. Number four, Stockpile. This is the best for educational resources. This is Stockpile. Basically, you ever heard you've, you've heard of something called fractionalized shares? If you're saying, "Look, I can't afford a thirty-five hundred dollar Amazon stock, I'll but I'll take a tenth of it," yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Three hundred fifty bucks. Cash App helps you. That oh, Cash well. App too. All right. Yeah. So we'll talk about Cash App. Stockpile stands out from the investment app crowd because it allows for the purchase of fractionalized shares. There it is. I hit the nail on the head. This can be hugely important for beginning investors or for those with a lot of, with, without a lot of money, without a lot of money to invest because it allows for a diversified portfolio with even limited capital. They're basically saying, look, you can't afford all this stock. You can't afford you know, all these pricier stocks, the apples of the world. The Amazons of the world, the Teslas of the world, the Bitcoins. Well, it's not a stock, but yeah. Right, but I'm saying like a yes. lot of these uh, investing apps yes. allow for cryptocurrency. And I know, correct. Sorry. Correct. No, Just, no. I know maybe getting ahead of myself, but Cash App also lets you get. You're a there, bro. Of crypto. You're there. Thank you, sir. They're basically saying you can invest in fractionalized shares, a tenth of it, less than a tenth of it, right. half of it, whatever it is, fractionalized, a portion of it. So that's number four for best educational resources stockpile, and number five. Something that I'm I'm a fan of, but lukewarm fan, and I'll tell you why. Uh, the best for automated investments is none other than Acorns. Acorns, mm, you heard of this app? Yeah, Acorns. I've seen Ashton Kutcher on my YouTube uh, ads oh, a couple yeah. times. Yeah, of course, Ashton, <laughs> good guy. 
So the Acorn Caps uh, app, basically, it's it's a robo-advisor, okay? And right. it charges you a couple bucks a month, nothing crazy, to allocate your funds among different ETF options. We all know that. But basically, the trick with Acorns is this, is they basically, it, automatic, it rounds up your spare change. So whenever you make a purchase, let's say you're going to buy something for, you know, $9.50. Yeah. It takes 50 cents, rounds that up, boom, now you're investing that 50 cents. So it automatically rounds up that purchase to the nearest dollar, investing in the additional funds in your portfolio. Look, there's good and bad with the acorns because you're only investing 50 cents. Yeah. Okay, even if you're, you know, going out to a nice dinner and you spend, you know, 300 bucks and the bill is $290. Yeah. Okay, so now it's going to round it up to so now you're investing 10 bucks. Not the best way to build your wealth, you know, dollar at a time. You know, you know, typically you want to do more than that, but it's better than nothing. And uh, I interviewed Meet Kevin one time. He said the reason that he didn't like acorns, acorns is because it associated investing with spending. With spending. Which makes total okay? sense, yeah. Which investing is, is not spending. Investing yeah. is saving and then investing. So that was his take on that, which I actually agree with. Good points with that. Uh, I don't think he won for governor of California, but the guy <laughs> is smart. Um, but these are the top five investing apps according to Go Banking Rates. With that being said, we, you know... We're agnostic when it comes to these investing apps unless um, they want to tell us why we should be talking about them. But these aren't the only apps. There's other apps out there called Wealthfront. I've used Wealthfront before. You talked about Cash App. Cash App They're yeah. doing stuff. You can buy crypto on Cash App. Hey, PayPal, no? Does PayPal, PayPal have an investing thing? I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. Uh, I know that they've uh, invested in crypto or they accept yeah. crypto. You got SoFi. You got E-Trade, you got Stash, you got Personal Capital. Now, I invest a lot of my money with Vanguard, and I invested a lot of my money with Fidelity. To be frank, I actually just go on the website. I don't go on the app, but they have apps too. Anyway, those are the top investing apps. Take a look. You know how they say the best way um, to build your wealth? Like the best thing you can do to build your wealth, the the number one indicator of why you would build wealth? You know, some people talk about rate of return and... um, Maybe the fees that these uh, apps are charging, yeah. right? You know, AUM, asset under management fees, whatever, whatever. You know the best way to make sure that you have money? What's that? Putting your fucking money in there. <laughs> yeah. Investing your money. Yeah. Okay? So a lot of people overthink this kind of stuff. Well, I don't know. It's the fees and the structure and the diversified portfolio, and I don't know. I'm second guess. Uh, shut up, nerd. Just put your money in there. Tell them, Adam. Long-term. <laughs> Long-term investing. Yeah, obviously fees are important. Obviously rate of return is important. But if we don't put your money in there, it's never going to grow. Anyway, that's that. That's my two cents on that. We ready to answer some questions? Acorns. Sorry. Yes, thank you. Ready to answer some questions? Do it. So what I do every day before the podcast, Sazcast, is I um, go onto my Instagram on Saz Talks Money. There's only one Instagram. There's a lot of fakers out there. Oh, these blue check coming. Hopefully, (laughs) we'll see. And I asked this question. I said, "What's on your mind?" What's on your mind? Here's some questions. I haven't looked at them. I'm pulling up my app right now. We'll yeah. see what I got. And since I've been on the show, let's see how many questions we've got going on here. And we're just going to answer them one by one by one, and we'll see what we got. So um, I'm a savage. <laughs> Let me know when you're ready. Is that just a segue right there? Okay, cool. Thank you for that. All right, so here's my two cents. If you want to get your questions answered... <laughs> Get onto my Instagram, Sauce Talks Money, SOS Talks Money. I'm going to ask you these questions. I'll answer your questions. I'll give you my two cents. Here it is. Um, 
Pay Morales says, sports betting. Thoughts? This past week, I went to the Dolphins-Bills game to film on do you gamble or bet on football Mm. and or do you play fantasy football? Yeah. And a lot of people do. Obviously, they're at, we're going to a football crowd. A lot of Absolutely, people do. Yeah. Uh, truth be told, you know, I'm not sure uh, this is legal or not legal. I, back in college, I used to run book, meaning I used to take bets to make money. Right? It wasn't a big deal. Yeah. I, my opinion: this might get people a little salty. Yeah. Colossal waste of time. Colossal waste of time. Anything to you what, make, to bet on sports. All of it. All of it. All of it. Anything you make, you're going to give back. Yeah, you're gonna you're you're gonna lose, and you're gonna try to chase the jag and try to win. Then you're gonna lose more. Yeah, you're gonna get too close to the sun. We talked about a segment on this: is investing in crypto, investing or, or gambling. gambling? Okay, the difference between uh, the two strategy. Yeah, I could argue strategy in sports betting. Very little bit because you have no control over this. Your no, team you might get hurt. I'm sorry, your player might get hurt. Your team's it just. He has my thoughts on sports betting. Sure, you want to take a couple bucks and have fun. Make sure this ain't rent money, okay? This ain't. This shouldn't be paying your rent. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Um, thoughts on the current market? Market's down a little bit this week. I'm a long term investor. I think in uh, long term future looks bright. Keep your money in the market. Um, favorite podcast? Huh. I would say huh. there's uh, there's um, there's this guy. Um, it yeah. starts with a P. I think you mentioned him. Yeah, there's PBD, this PBD podcast, Patrick mm-hmm. Bet David, Valuetainment. Yes, yeah, What yeah, a yeah. podcast. Great podcast. What a podcast. You know, they had yeah. Sammy the Bull Gravano on their they did. Um, they on did. the show that today. Guy, Great show. Speaking of savages, that guy's Speaking savage. of savages, yeah. What an what absolute G that is. Anyways, obviously I'm biased. Uh, if you haven't checked out the PBD podcast, check it out here. Separate channel for Valuetainment. We're talking business. We're talking politics. We're talking current events. We're having mafia on. We're having actors on. We're having all sorts of just interesting people on. Check it out. Second favorite podcast, the podcast Pat was just on, the Rogan podcast. Yeah. Respect to that. I do watch some Barstool stuff. Um, but we're, we're making some waves over here at the PBD podcast. Check it out. Um, um, Joe Hoffmeister asked, what do you think of the new Nas album? Haven't heard it, but I'm a big fan of Nas. Um Hope it's, uh, is it Lil Nas? Not, oh, if it's Lil Nas, I'm out on that. Um, Mario9711 says, I'm a 24-year-old millennial and living in California. I currently have saved up 20 grand for a... Let's see what he says. For I don't know what... He's got... Anyway, I, I don't see the rest of his question. Hell yeah. 24, you saved up 20 grand. Congratulations. Save that money. Now you yeah. can start investing. Yeah. If you're 24, you ain't married, you ain't got no kids, you're just doing your thing, you've saved up a nice cushion, start investing now. Awesome. Now, where do you want to get started? If you if you have a job, 401k. If you don't have a job, Roth IRA. You want to if you're a real estate lover, get involved in real estate. But you've done the hardest part, which is save more than ten thousand dollars. Not easy to do. Um, here we go. Some of these questions these people want to ask me is a little out there. That's for sauce cast after dark. Okay, how about this? Many cheap clothes or a few expensive ones? I actually fucking love this question. Huh. Many cheap clothes or a few expensive ones? Ooh. Uh, my answer is both. My answer is both. So just for clothes. Me, <laughs> no, no. I'm saying you need a nice suit or two. Okay. For sure. Or if you're a if you're a lady, you need a nice, you know, dress or two. For sure. Yeah. 
Spend some money on that. You want to go to a business you like, meeting? You want to go to a wedding? You want to go to a, what? Any sort of function? You, you want to have look good. to have fine threads. You got to have some fine stuff. You're gonna get a you're gonna get a nice pair of shoes. Get a nice pair of shoes. But right. other than that, I've got like fifty white t-shirts, fifty black t-shirts. Dude, yeah, same. You know, you buy a three pack from whatever store. They're yeah. twenty bucks a pop. So for everyday stuff, cheap stuff. Don't spend your money on clothes. You can always buy more. But for stuff that like business meetings. Events have a nice suit. You have, have some get, nice outfits. Yeah. You can do both. Anyway, totally I really like that question. Yeah, I totally but agree. But for the most part, clothes do not appreciate. Um, you know, I live in Miami. I'm not exactly spending money on nice yeah. jackets. You, you I don't may need a appre- nice leather jacket in yeah. Miami. You may appreciate clothes. They don't. Ooh, I like that. Thank you. Okay. Um, <laughs> here's another great question. This is from Danny Lamos. How does someone who wants to save that money deal with friends who just want to just want to party and spend? Wow. I yeah. Yeah. I, You're talking to the guy that has spent literally 20 years of his life partying in South Beach. That's so true, yeah. Okay. King of South Beach. Okay? And I am the save that money guy. And all around me, people are spending that money. <laughs> you just got to have willpower. You really do. And you got to have a bigger bigger purpose of why you're saving that money and why you're not going out to the club every weekend. Or yeah. here's another piece of advice. If your friends are going out every single weekend, maybe you don't do that every single weekend. Yeah. And maybe once a month say, fuck it, we're going out. Yeah, Why yeah, not? Yeah. The easiest thing to do is blow money in the clubs. Because you're drunk. Yep. There's, there's beautiful women around you. There's people partying around you. Another bottle. Another round. Next thing you know, you just spent 500 bucks, yeah. 1000 bucks, Oh, dude. Whatever it is. It I've, happens. Yeah, I've spent- Have a plan. Have a bigger purpose. Yeah, I've spent stupid money on, on that same thing. Trying to impress maybe- Trying to impress someone or whatever it is. You just spend yeah. a dumb amount of money. Don't do it. Or yes. don't drink. Drink, I don't know, get a bottle, make it last a Hard month. Hard to do. I get it. Don't drink. But, get a, something and have something in your hands. You so got to understand weird, that when but. you're going to a club- you're not buying the liquor. You're buying the real estate. Of course, you're paying for the real estate. of course. You're paying for the, the booth. What's up? Look at me. I'm in the Get club. Get a cheaper drink. I got the table. I have a friend. Yep. Um, his name rhymes with Phi Bode. <laughs> <laughs> he orders an orange Fi. juice. He orders an orange and juice. And it looks like he's drinking a cocktail. That's true. But once a month, he goes out with his buddies. He does. And he'll drop some loot. Um, for building wealth, this is from Josh B. Thinking. What's you thinking, Josh? He do be thinking. He do be thinking that, Josh, be thinking. For building wealth, is it better to relocate to a low-cost area? Dude, it depends on the job opportunities. Yeah. Now you could kind of work remote. You can work anywhere. Um, I ran into a guy at the Dolphins game the other day. He's like, look, man, I just graduated from University of Miami. Got a um, cybersecurity degree. Got no kids. Got no wife. I go, what's the next move? He goes, I'm just holding out for the best offer. Let's see what's out there. I said, are you willing to relocate? He said, honestly, if the price is right, I would. I go, look, here's why. A lot easier to relocate and make moves when you're single and you got no kids. Yeah. Move to New York, move to California, move to Chicago, move to wherever, move to D.C., move to Tennessee, wherever you want to go, move to Florida, wherever. It's a lot easier if things don't work out. Fuck it, I'm going home. Yeah. A lot harder to move your family, move your kids, transplant. Schools. A lot harder. Yeah, no. A lot harder. So if you're single and you have these opportunities, take them. Make that money. Okay? Yeah, but to answer the question, I don't know if it's, again, worth moving to a lesser area just to, I don't know. Also, be mindful of your environment, man. It's going to affect your mood and how yeah. you roll. So Obviously, you want to go to a place that you're going to enjoy, but 
you know, make friends. Network is your net worth. Um, anyway, that's that question. A couple last questions, and we'll wrap this bad boy up. You always say to invest in REITs. Is it a big allocation or small one in your portfolio? 10%. 10% in REITs. There it is. Last question. Here's from Spenny King Racks. Spending them King Racks. How much do you truly hate Dave, Ramsey, Dave Ramsey's financial advice? I don't hate wow, Dave Ramsey's financial advice. Wow, this is building up. I don't hate Dave Ramsey's financial advice. Uh, there's a lot of good points that he makes. Obviously, I'm a big advocate of saving that money. His whole thing is he's anti-debt. You know, save up to build your wealth. He's a big yeah. advocate in paying off your mortgage. You know, he's a big fan of tithing and 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 and, and living your purpose with the church. That's great. Uh, I also will say something with Dave Ramsey. He's the OG, but sometimes OG stands for original gangster. Yeah. Sometimes it just stands for being the old guy. And some of his advice is a little outdated. Um, but at the end of the day, he is the OG. Yeah. Salute, respect. Um, but there's some new kids on the block. Yeah. Uh, 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 uh. All right. Nah, you um, anyway, so that's uh, my my two cents on Dave Ramsey. We ready to wrap this thing up? Yeah. I just, I mean, I got yeah. I have a quick pitch maybe after sure. Mafia States of America comes out and everything. That famous sit down uh, with Michael Francis and Sammy the Bull Gravano. Maybe, Pat, uh, consider this. We can have Financial States of America. Ooh. Dave Ramsey sits with Adam Sosnick. Wow. Hosted by Patrick Pitt David. Whoa. I don't know. Hey. Blew my mind right there. I don't, I don't I mean, that'd wow. be great, but. Well, David, welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. It's we good to be back. We missed you. Uh, missed I'm you sure guys. the people in Mexico loved your witty humor and your Para great gente banter. Tu gente. Yeah. Uh, in, in Cancun. Yeah. You came back with a great outfit. You saved thank that you. money, didn't spend too much on it. Yep. And uh, welcome back. Thank anyway, you. thank you guys for for being here uh, on the Sazcast. We love we love this. This is what we do this for. Yeah, we, we do this do, for you. Uh, so thank you for being a part of it. We will be back live next week. That's for sure. Uh, if you're watching this on a Thursday or a Friday, enjoy the weekend. And as always, remember to save that money.